All right. Hello, everyone. Today we have Alex Krupp on the podcast. Alex is a CEO and co-founder of Corporate Everyone, a platform that helps you read, share, search, and discover useful email chains. He is also an author of Pretty Forward, which we'll talk about later. Alex, do you have anything else to tell about yourself? No, that's pretty much it. I mean, my, I, I guess for me, about how I came to this, like my background, like I studied kind of business and marketing in college and did that for a couple of years after graduating. And then only later started getting, you know, more into programming in Django. Okay. Um, that's interesting. Okay. So we're a Django podcast. So you know, we'll, we can start with some of the Django things. As you mentioned, you, sure. you were doing like a business degree. So you decided to learn it while college or afterwards, you know, to build your specific project. How did you come about learning? A few years after, actually. So I think, so I graduated from college in 2008. And I think when I was in college, I, I took a couple CS classes and I was mm -hmm. always interested in getting more into coding. But at the time, web development was just like a lot harder than it is now. I mean, at the same time, there was like also like a lot less business advice like on the web than there is now. So it was, I think much more than today, like you really had to pick one over the other so that so i kind of focused on business but then a few years later after the advent of stack overflow and blogging and everything else mm -hmm. it became more obvious that like most people should just know and understand if not but be great at both so that's how i started getting more deep into like tech and django and that was like 2012 when i started going in that direction so you would, uh, right now, you would consider yourself more on the programming side or on the business side? Both. I, I would say I've been doing more programming for the last five years, especially more than five years now, actually. But yeah. Mm -hmm. um, cool. So when you started learning it, was, what were your challenges? Was it easy, hard uh, with Django specifically? Django specifically. So I think the Django documentation was pretty good even in 2012. Like I think the first version I used was like 1.4 where I'm pretty sure custom user models had just been added. That was like the big feature. And yeah, I, th I think the biggest challenge was just, just with Python, there were still things with Python that I didn't know or understand. Like I would, like, I, I think just some of the syntax was like, like, like it's one thing to learn the syntax, reading the Python documentation, but then mm -hmm. to actually recognize like in the wild, oh, this is a class or this is or whatever. We're like Django just, even though like it's not a very magical framework, it can feel magical if you don't, like if, if you're not like immediately recognizing like what Python structures things are and like how mm -hmm. it works at a Python level. So that took a little while. And I, and I think, yeah, there were just, there were things in the doubt, like the tutorial was very good, but then going from the tutorial to the rest of it, definitely at first, like it, it took me a while. Like I just wasn't efficient at like understanding the documentation for Oh, I totally well, get it. So it just, yeah. it, it would be frustrating. And it was like, cause I think that's the hardest thing about learning to code, just getting to the point where you can like really just understand the documentation yourself <laughs> yeah so, no, yeah, I, so I totally resonate with this because uh yeah when i was learning django actually django i don't think django was the official documentation that started with it was uh, probably will vincent he has some good tutorials on django it's a couple of books and and then with, with months i look at documentation and then I, I, I can actually read something what arguments they use or what it does and then 
Actually, it, 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 it is a joy when you understand it. So I totally resonate with you on this one. Do you remember what was the, the turning point? Because you're saying it, it was because you didn't have much Python experience by then. And it was somewhat hard learning new thing. And then at what point you kind of tipping point where you didn't get discouraged, but rather you were like, okay, cool. I'm sticking with this. It's much easier now. Yeah. So for me, so the way I started learning was I was actually trying to make like my current site, like for everyone back in 2012. I mean, it turned out the technology to do it just wasn't there yet and wouldn't really exist for a couple more years. And I also realized that I just wasn't, like I just wasn't ever like go, going to be good enough in the near future to, to actually build the site in like a good way. But however, I did, my initial idea was just to get good enough to make like a minimum viable product and then find a technical co-founder. I mean, I actually ended up getting better than I thought I would. So I ended up taking a job as a developer and figured like, why not get paid to get better at this? So I spent a couple of years like working full-time as a developer, actually. Yeah, partly because I wanted to get better and partly because I like, even though like I had like a business background and have some good business related stuff on my resume, I was finding it easier to get like good jobs as a developer with zero development experience than to get like really? good business jobs with a pretty decent like business background. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, okay, <laughs> like maybe <laughs> no, that's I cool. give this a try. Yeah. So was, and, and after a couple of years, like I started, I, I got a lot better essentially. Like the, the first six months of my first job, I was, basically convinced I was going to get fired like every single day and just, but would go home like after every day and just basically just teach myself for another five or six hours, like after work. And eventually after six months, I started getting the hang of it and then took a second job after a year and learned even more stuff and went back to forward everyone a couple of years later after Google released like a new Gmail API, essentially that sort of made it possible to do what I was originally looking to do. And by the time I jumped back into it, it was like a lot, it was much smoother sailing. Did you do any interesting projects when you were learning? Because you mentioned that the, the forward project was not possible at the time. So did you do anything else fun? So I was, so I was, I was still working at forward everyone, even though it wasn't pot. So like the, the sticking point at the time or at least like the biggest sticking point. It was like very important to me that like the emails people share, whether publicly or privately, should like actually be authentic. I mean, there just wasn't really a good way to authenticate them at the time. So it's like you could have people copy and paste emails onto a website, but it's then sure. anyone can just make up any email conversations where it, it kind of like the magic of it got lost under that model for me. So yeah, so, so I, I did spend several months working on that before I realized that was like a big sticking point. And then after I was mostly teaching myself like AngularJS at the time and JavaScript, and I wasn't really building anything like using Angular or JS or I think jQuery I learned during that time. Those were maybe more Python, I don't know. But yeah, there, there, so it, it was like reading a lot of books, but not necessarily in taking like very detailed notes on the books, but not necessarily yeah. building things so much outside of work at that point. I, th- I think just coding for work all day, every day anyway. So there wasn't like a huge need. 
So you mentioned you were le learning, you know, JavaScript and some of the front end uh, stuff at the same time. What was easier for you? What was more natural? That's a good question. I, I think, well, I, JavaScript, I guess it was easier in some ways just because like I had already learned Python. But at the same time, like there's a lot of JavaScript stuff that's just like super weird, even to this day, whereas like, I, I do a pretty decent amount of JavaScript. But even today, there's stuff where it's like, I remember what the gotcha is. Like, I remember there, the keyword this, there's four different things I can do depending on the context, but I still don't know. It's just like when, when I see code involving this, like I need to actually, you know, look up like what the thing is binding to depending on the context. Mm -hmm. so, and like, I know there's, so like, I, I, I know all the weird quirks like that, but because it's, even though I do it a lot, it's not like I'm doing it all day. So there, there's certain things that are like weird there for me even to this day. The reason I ask is because I started with a backend, so with Django and you know, HTML and CSS came slowly, but I started understanding all the flex stuff, how, how to position everything. And then JavaScript, I'm trying to learn it again, just pure vanilla JavaScript. And it's like fifth time for me and I could never get it. I think just because I got so much better with Python, I can actually understand some of the things that's happening in JavaScript, as you mentioned. But uh, just find it confusing. I always thought, you know, front end is cool just because that's what, that's what people see. But then uh, when, once I actually started learning it, like, you know, back, back end is just simpler. It's, it's more introverted. So for me, you just do stuff <laughs> on the server and everything's nice. Okay. That's so, fair. I think the, the book, the JavaScript book I like the most is uh, JavaScript LIJ by Reginald Braithwaite, I think. And it's, it just teaches JavaScript from first principles. So from, and it, it explains how JavaScript is like secretly a functional language. And that, I found that like super useful and just a lot of fun to read. So yeah, if you're teaching yourself again anyway. Thank you. Check and out. regarding Django. So if say we have users who you know visit the website, they saw all the cool stuff people built with Django and they want to start learning. Do you have any advice for, for those people? Yeah, I think the tutorial is really good, actually. I, I think the hardest thing, honestly, is like learning what you don't need to know. Because there's so, there's so much stuff both in Django and Python and the Django REST framework or whatever else in libraries you want to use that like, that, like a lot of it is not only do you not need to know it, but like a lot of it is like stuff that you really don't want to use, frankly. And I, in as a beginner, you don't have a good sense of what that is. So it's just easy to get sucked into wasting a lot of time on, on stuff like that. So the example I like is when I was learning Python, like I did, I just had no concept of what to learn or not learn. So I remember spending like several days, like reading the documentation on like frozen sets. Um, and like, oh. <laughs> which in retrospect, it was just having been doing this for 10 years now, like I've never once used a frozen set. It's like completely waste of time and doesn't know that there it's like you know how is that supposed to know that it's like the same thing where there's so many different string formatting methods in python now and like a lot of them you really just don't want to use as a beginner like it it's easy to get caught up and like spend multiple weeks like learning stuff like learning string formatting stuff that you shouldn't even be using in the first place yeah i i don't have a good solution other than maybe get a job and like other people for advice and yeah. Maybe it's actually a good idea because you mentioned that as a beginner learning, you don't, supposedly you don't know many people who know it very well. So you don't know what to learn. So maybe having a resource, so you know, what you should learn, what you should focus on, what's the most important thing. And with Python and Django, there's like really good meetups also where people are yeah. super helpful in like most major cities. Um, so that's that, true. 
I think I think it's like a little bit easier than most other technical stacks. So that's one of the real advantages, actually. I love Python. Apparently, you can do. I started it because I was econ and math, and then I was doing it for data analysis because mm -hmm. I thought that's what it was made for. And then later on, web development, Django, cool. Then I'm saying you can make you know apps for Mac with Python. Uh, it's, it's just crazy. It's so versatile. Yeah, people. People say it's like the second best language for everything, which I think is what? the first is like whatever specific language for your use case. Like, so like for web development and data science or whatever, it might be completely different or game development. But I, but for me, like wanting to do startups, like that's the reason I chose it essentially because it's as a startup, you don't really know what you're going to build or how you're going to make money. And with Python, no matter what the answer is, like you can do it with Python. Whereas like a lot of other languages, like you don't necessarily have that. Mm -hmm flexibility or the third-party libraries or whatever yeah for, for, for me that, that that was like why i went that direction that totally makes sense so once you mentioned forward forward everyone yeah let's talk about it a little more so right now is it your full-time project you're fully dedicated to it I, yeah for it has been for the last couple of years yes very interesting but you don't have like full-time job as a developer or anything like that not right now so i i had for a little while before that, I'd been alternating between doing consulting and just working on this essentially. But then I've been, I started going and like, I, I really wanted to keep doing that, but then I got pushed more towards working on this full time just because a couple of years ago, like Google announced some new security policies for anything using like the Gmail API and like a lot of their other APIs actually that it basically necessitated either paying like tens of thousands of dollars a year for a security assessment or else rewriting rewriting a lot of the software to use different APIs. So it's just economically, it just wasn't going to work to be paying like tens of thousands of dollars a year for something that was like a hobby project. So I just had to make a decision and decided to go for it essentially. Okay. When you started it, it was, I think you mentioned it was 2014 roughly, right? So I think my co-founder and I started working part-time on the weekends in 2004. Oh no, it, it was 2014, fall of 2014, and then we, we went full-time briefly in July 2015, and then kind of launched like a very, it wasn't even viable. I call it like an MVP, but like in retrospect, it was not really viable, I think in okay. the spring of 2016. So oh, really? Because I was, was just going like to ask uh, how long it took you to get to an MVP, if you will. So you have two versions of MVP, a non-real MVP and a real MVP. Yeah, so they initially launched something. So it was like around, I want to say a year and a quarter of full-time work for each of us. Yeah, that's about right. And then, but like the, the initial thing just didn't really work at all. Like we, we did like a show Hacker News post, but in launched a product hunt, but really didn't even promote it beyond that because mm -hmm. it didn't really work so it's, there's not much point getting users if every time they try to do the one thing they're supposed to do it just like breaks <laughs> and also there there were like a lot of other issues like it didn't work on mobile at all when we launched and it was just like so in in it kind of there, there were just like a couple of years of we'd talk to potential users and be like why aren't you using this and they tell us things like like i don't have a computer i only use the internet from my phone and it doesn't work on my phone oh that seems a legitimate reason actually maybe we should like work on that why aren't you using this and they're like you can only share email 
publicly, but what if I want to see what it looks like before I share it with all my friends? And we're like, oh, that also seems legitimate. And it was like, and then it's like, if I public, like if I share stuff publicly, I want lots of people to read it. And you guys don't have any users. So we're like, oh, like, well, what if we made it so that you can embed email within Reddit posts and Medium posts? Yeah. So that way, like you could leverage all of their traffic without us needing millions of users. And so it was just like very iterative where... Uh, well, that's perfect because you were talking to your clients and then, uh, you know, acting upon their recommendations. And it took you roughly, you said, till 2016 to get something working? Well, so, so, so the thing we launched since 2016 wasn't working. Okay. It was just like public. To get something working, like actually with good engagement, like only in the last, uh, in the last six months, we've started, we, we we're actually getting good engagement now i think we've, it's still not like a like super successful business by any means but it's gone from like the trough of sorrow to like the wiggles of false hope stage if you're familiar mm -hmm. with the y combinator model yeah but yeah and that's that's interesting cause like like now like in like we'd all we'd always been doing like a little bit of prospecting but it was like we send out like a few hundred emails like asking various people if they wanted to use the product or whatever we were saying and we were like getting a bunch of feedback but like not a lot of people who wanted to use it or else people who wanted to use it but like even people who wanted to use it like they just found themselves like unable to actually use it for various reasons which kind of necessitated us just going back to the well working on the product essentially but also made a few shifts over the years with like our initial customer base and stuff like that uh, there's like so in the startup world there's two different schools of thought that are like diametrically opposed one is you, you should always be like selling all the time and if you're not like if you're not like selling every day like you're not a real business it's just like a vanity project then like the other school of thought is that like engagement is the most important thing and until you have like good engagement and retention then there's no point in doing growth because it's just you're just pouring water into a sieve essentially so, so like we definitely very heavily into focusing on, on getting a good engagement which we've finally seems to be working yeah now we're going back to in that direction and actually like doing selling which is and it's actually going better now which is something a, new. Lot, a lot more fun okay yeah it's just it's a lot more fun when people like are excited about the thing you're building so <laughs> but yeah uh, so i met i mentioned oh sorry i i noticed that first of all the hacking news the second hacking news um show Mm -hmm. was an accidental one, I believe. Someone else posted it for you. Yeah, it was an accidental. It wasn't us who posted it, yeah. So I don't know who it was. I think it was someone I met at a meetup, but I'm not, I'm actually not sure. Or I think someone I met at a meetup told one of their friends, or I, I don't know what the deal was. But yeah, so... It got a lot uh, of traction. There was a lot of comments, a lot of uh, controversial. Some people were angry, as per usual. Yeah, that that was like the best thing to do, because like the, the first time we did a show Hacker News, it just got like completely ignored, pretty much. And mm -hmm. then the second time... Like people were actually angry enough. You know? We're like, we're making progress. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's actually funny. It's always had that reaction. Like it, so when we started working on it, it was like before the Sony email hacks, it was before the Hillary Clinton email things. It, it mm -hmm. was before like all, all this, like all of these scandals. It, it was also before like tech lash where people just lost faith in the Facebook and Google and all these other companies. Amazon. So yeah, it's been weird in that environment. But even from the very beginning, like it's, it was like very polarizing. Like this is like before we even had the product when it was still, when we were just going to meetups and talking to people, but still 
so I guess in like 2015, where I just remember there were there were like a couple of people like were like, yeah, we're making this site where anyone can take like an email conversation and publish it on the internet. And some people were like, wow, that's like an amazing idea. And other people literally just got super angry and one person just started crying. <laughs> it was like really weird, but yeah, I don't know. Okay. And, and your product hunt was pretty successful as well. I guess there was no so much, product hunt seems to be a little nicer in that sense. So there was no, so, so no crazy arguments going on. But what I wanted to ask is any learnings you can share for me from both of those launches, anything that comes to mind? <laughs> Very little, honestly. I think obviously like it's, it's a lot of fun to be on like Hacker News and Product Hunt, but at the same time for 99% of businesses, like those aren't like your customers. I guess that's true, yeah. So if, 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 you, can get, if you can get them like beta testing it and like finding bugs or something, like that's like great, but for most people, like, they'd be pretty lucky to even get that. But there are exceptions. Like there are, like obviously, like, Dropbox is like the canonical example of a company that yeah, was like yeah. the show HN and they became like a $10 billion thing. But mo most companies aren't like that. They're just, hey, first of all, it, it these days it's like very hard to even get like your show HN featured on the front page of Hacker News. Mm -hmm. And even if you do, it's it's more of a vanity thing and not like a marketing. That's good. That's vanity, totally true. Say. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So let's talk some numbers if you are comfortable with. So how many users does uh, email or would everyone have right now? A few hundred. It's like very small. It's, okay. it was, so there were, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. There were, there, there were like a few hundred people who signed up with the first iteration of the technology. And then within the last couple of years, like rebuilt the tech and the new technology finally got approved by Google less than a year ago, like in the last six to nine months. That's good. And yeah. And then since then I was basically spent about six months doing like special projects with it. So like I was doing like a lot of stuff using our software to uh, benefit the Andrew Yang campaign, like for president, mm -hmm. which was super useful, just like dog fooding our own product and like finding a lot of, A, like s some bugs, but more just like features where it's like, oh, to, to actually use this for something real, like it needs like X, Y, and Z. We had been documenting the, the product like for our own needs for a while, but to actually be working with the campaign and like a few other larger users like that and to be doing things that they were asking for service like a lot of like useful learnings I got used to improve the product. I've got to say, um, yeah, and, the, and then, the, sorry, no, continue. Oh yeah, so, 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 so then maybe partly because of the product improvements, but also partly randomly, like the engagement started getting validated. There's people who have actually been using it like not every day but every week like multiple times a week and then at the same time there was like a, some email threads that were posted about coronavirus recently that got like t tens of thousands of page views and were linked to from like asia times financial times like the front page of yahoo news like really helped develop and people were like super excited and there were like dozens if not hundreds of tweets about it so validating that people actually like the experience of reading the threads and then you know, like a reasonable percentage of people who are reading the threads were actually signing up and making accounts. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and, you know, 
not all of those people were actually using the product. Most were not, but still like that kind of, I, I guess separately, almost like the people using it for business use internally was validated. People, the readership aspect was validated. Like the engagement I'm pretty sure was validated. So all, all of the, the pieces of the life cycle have been like separately validated at this point. This is, so that's how I've been making the transition to actually focus on selling it. So yeah. I, I can only see the it going up. As you mentioned, people share because because uh, it has an innate kind of sh sharing quality. So you should. The point is that you share, and when you share, other people read it, and so they're more more likely to share as well. And then you know, you know, it can spread. Hopefully, though, that's how it's going to go. The first time you published the project on Built with Django, I you know obviously checked it out. I didn't uh, go into too detail. I didn't. I just looked at it from far. And just okay, that, that's pretty cool. I'm just starting to wonder how you did it. And then second time around, maybe a couple of weeks later, I decided to look at it again. And then I went to, I missed the tutorials the first time I saw it. Mm -hmm. And then the second time with the video explaining and then some more detailed explanations, it was very well done. The instructions were very good. And then they're talking about the use cases very well so that I can immediately think, okay, what can I use it for and how it can be used? So that's done very well. And if you don't mind me asking, did you hire someone to do that or also try to do it yourself? No, I did it myself. It, my my wife helped a lot though. She's a film and video teacher and, and, and it's her voice in, in the current version of the tutorials. So yeah, and she, I basically I wrote the scripts and I did the screencast, but then she edited it, edited it and uh, did the voiceovers and you know, did, did all the timing to make sure the voice lined up with the images and stuff. So that's how they were created. A lot of them actually need to be redone now, but I really hate making the tutorials. So. No, I can imagine. I can imagine it's not in the quick and easy. It's not like coding where you're going to, you know, change something and then you can see the results straight away. It's a long project. So yeah, I can. It, I it, it, they were incredibly painful to make. Like I, even though each one's two or three minutes, like they, it took a very long time, essentially. Yeah. It's like Do you mind me? 10 I hours per minute of video. To, Ten hours. Oof. Something like, to write the scripts and so just from your side, like, and really, then plus whatever your wife did though with the editing, and then oof, wow. Because you need to record it again and again, and it's there would be things like I'd actually accidentally like the tabs would be like in a different place between cuts, or like the bookmark bar would be like open or closed, so I'd or it would be in like the incognito window, so the browser would be like a different color, so. I'd, there kept being these continuity issues so, uh -huh. and then all sorts of stuff with the vocals and yeah, it was just such a pain. That's painful. That sounds very, very painful. <laughs> I hope the second time around it goes easier and then uh, we'll see. Yeah, some of them are still fine, but yeah, there, there's a couple things that have changed. If you don't mind me asking, what's so do you have a revenue going in from the customers you're using or it's currently totally free and what's your plan on, on uh, business model. Yeah, so there, there's like a small amount of revenue, not enough to live off in the like few hundred dollars a month, basically. But it's, yeah, it's, the business model is basically, and, and this is what it's always been, e even before we built it like that, it's completely free to share stuff publicly, but to share stuff privately within your company, it costs, you know, a few dollars per user per month. In our case, we're charging $16 per user per month. So yeah, that's, that's the model. Essentially, the theory is that sharing stuff publicly gets us users and makes us rank higher in Google sure. and like all of that. So hopefully uh, in the long term, we'll get more users to the site who will then make business accounts. So yeah, it's basically the exact same 
business model is GitHub, which really was the inspiration. I, I think when we were talking about it back in 2014, 2015, we were talking about should this be paid or should be, this be advertising supported? Mm-hmm. My thought was really like, it takes 10 years to build a business in at least. And in 10 years, if like self-driving cars really put like a third of Americans out of work, who's going to have money to buy stuff that's like being advertised? So I don't, that's not really, maybe that won't come to fruition or whatever, but that wasn't really like a business model that I wanted myself like chain to. So oh, that's, we, cool. that's uh, cool. We've never run it as in the site and have really, was just designed from the ground up not to require like advertising to be profitable. Mm-hmm. So let's switch maybe for, for a couple of minutes, talk about Pretty Forward. So yeah, how sure. does it relate to forward everyone? And then what's the different, what are the differences? Yeah. So the, so the idea of forward everyone was that like stuff, when you share it publicly or within your company, it, it's kind of meant to live forever essentially and just be visible either to the general public or else to people within your company. But there's a lot of stuff that you don't necessarily want to live forever or that doesn't need to. Want to share something with one or two coworkers, but not have a need to share it with your entire company. Mm-hmm. So pretty forward rebuild for that use case. So it's completely free. It's in like the idea is emails are parsed like the same way. So they're super easy to read. They can still be embedded, whatever. But, but yeah, they don't live forever. Like you can make them expire and you can share them with like just one person or whatever. And, and the idea also is that forward, everyone had this very complicated funnel where you need to make an account and then you need to connect your email address, and all, all this other stuff. So by the time you actually can even share your first email, you've had to do five or 10 things before that. Whereas pretty forward have zero funnel. Like you don't need to make an account. Like you literally just, you install yeah. the add-on, you open the add-on and then you hit share and that's it. It's basically one click. So yeah, it, it was also just an experiment to see what what our engagement would be like if all of those barriers to using it would be removed. Yeah, and it, it's, even though it only has, I, th- I think as of right now, there's only like 176 people with it installed. Partly I've been working on other stuff since it was launched a few months ago and just partly, I, I just haven't figured out how to get more people installed it to install it. But the people who haven't installed are actually like using it. A lot of them are using it like quite a lot. So, so I've been like super happy with that. It's just, it's a question of how to get more people to install it, which is, I think it's solvable, but it's, yeah, exactly. I, I just, I have not solved it yet. So it's kind of, okay. yeah. you know, whatever. It's a skill. I'm sure you'll get better and with the business background, especially. Have you ever thought of selling either of the projects or? Yeah, I've thought about it. It's just, it's, pretty hard to sell something until like you have actual users it doesn't even though the technology is like pretty good and pretty stable at this point like the reality is like people don't buy things for the technology they buy them for the user base realistically until you have like over a hundred thousand active users it's just like non-starter to sell something essentially so Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe eventually. Who knows? I, I'm just working on it though. So I, which is a thing that's kept me going even through like years of like very limited usage. So yeah, hopefully it just turns into the real business that it, that I can run myself, which it, it actually seems to be on its way to doing. Fortunately. Yeah. And uh, I guess I have maybe a couple more questions before we start to wrap up sure. regarding Django. I don't know if you've seen this or you have a feeling about it, but I saw this kind of argument quite a lot mm-hmm. and people have different opinions on this, but function-based use, class-based use, what do you prefer? What do you think is better? No. 
So class-based use, I think it's better for, with, with the caveat that like, just because I think, so I think class-based use is better because it's easier to read. Essentially, like you've got your your get, your post, your put, they're all split up. It's like very easy to see where one starts and one ends and so forth. Where class base use kind of tends to go wrong is when people start uh, making their classes like inherit all of these properties from like parent classes. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as that happens, like all of the readability advantages like go away. Okay. So my, my personal philosophy is like use class-based views but don't have them inherit from like other stuff that said if, if you're a beginner I, I think it's fine to use like functional stuff like if, if for a lot of people it's just like easier to understand and it's if, if you start with functional views it's like very easy to rewrite them later it's not it, it, yeah so okay. <laughs> i started with class-based whatever is easier for you so never understood. I still have troubles understanding function based use because there are use cases where you need those and it's just a button a little bit on those. Okay, and for your project, do you self-host or you uh, use any like Heroku type of stuff? I'm on AWS and Elastic Beanstalk. Yeah, it, t- it took a while to learn how to use it, but it's been pretty good. It- it's been relatively inexpensive. And I-, I think learning AWS is like a good life skill to have. So I'm not... I agree. Yeah. Uh, upset at all that I went in that direction. Yeah. It's not like those frozen sets, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Right, where it's like, I, I've used Heroku all, but yeah, for this, I think AWS was a good sure. Yeah, I, um, I currently, I, I tried Heroku once. I, I couldn't, just couldn't get it, so I, I failed uh, setting it up. Went with digital O, dropped it, and uh, so it's just basically Linux. So you have to do all the setup, but they have some good instructions, and yeah, I agree with you that those skills feel like they're good. They're very relatable and you can use them in other places. Do you have yeah. any other things you would like to talk about or you would like me to ask you? No. That's uh, a hard question. I, know, I don't I'm sorry. know. <laughs> no, my, my hope would be that if you, you know, check back in six months or a year, like the business will actually be making a substantial amount of money or at least- I would like, love to do that. Or it will. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think right now we've got like a handful of, other than like the special projects I mentioned, there's, we've got like a lot of five and 10 person companies and now we're starting to get interest from the 50 to 200 person companies. We'll see how that goes. But Alex, I would love to do another one. Like, Hopefully it's gonna be sooner than six months and you'll be able to, you know, share the, the amazing growth because because uh, Forward Everyone is, uh, I don't want to say old project because it has some sort of negative connotation to it, but you've been working it for a while. I hope uh, yeah, it's the point where it's, you know, the growth, exponent, exponential growth is at the point where it's very feasible. Yeah, yeah. For bootstrap projects, it's actually the norm for things to take a while. So it's <laughs> even though it, yeah, it yeah. feels like insane, but that's how it goes. Okay. Are there any other notes you'd like to give the uh, future Django makers? Anything? in particular, you know, to help them get started or pushing through? No. So I mentioned to you, I'm still working on like a blog post about Django architecture that hopefully will be published within the next few months. It's hard because I'm trying to mix business advice with snippets essentially. I mean, it's, which I think is like super important personally, but it's, it's also pretty difficult. (laughs) <laughs> just from like a writing perspective because there's not a lot of examples of that being done to, yeah because it's you know, still like a lot of times business people and code people are like different but i'm 
I think it's like important that like people code from like uh, the perspective of like doing things that make sense from for the business, I guess. So uh, yeah, I'm trying to push that and experiment with that. It's like a writing style. It's uh, it's hard sometimes. I agree, but it's very important. It's just a good thing to do. It 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 adds clarity to yourself when you go through it. You understand it more, but also you know, it's very helpful for the people. So thank you. I'm personally looking very looking forward to reading that post and seeing what's your perspective on some of the Django stuff. Cool. So thank you very much for coming. Thank you very much for being patient and as, answering all the questions, all the unknowing questions. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Russell. I, I appreciate it. All right. Okay. <laughs> Take care. Thank you.